millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to an incredibly festive, even though I've taken my Santa's hat off, AEW review with myself, Adam Cleary, filling in for Adam Weirdball, and Michael Sedgwick himself filling in for Michael Sedgwick. Now, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, don't forget to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. For Daily Wrestling Podcast, where you review Raw, SmackDown, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, NXT 2.0, as well as roundtable discussions, interviews, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course. On wrestle culture, cards subject to change. But Michael Sedgwick, it felt last night like all our Christmases came early, and I'm willing to bet you did too. Yes, absolutely. This is class. Like, just loads of pro wrestling joy distilled. It was sort of the reason why I watched pro wrestling. The main event in particular was just six pro wrestlers who absolutely love it, crafting a love letter to the form, having an incredible amount of fun with it. Maybe, given the serious grudge stakes of the CM Punk versus MJF rivalry, too much fun. But guess what? It's Christmas or it's whatever you celebrate. <laughs> so don't be a massive talk about it. Enjoy CM Punk in, in face paint because it was awesome. And they'll do a lot of heat angles before they actually have the match. So don't be a nerd about it. Enjoy the fun, the infectious, overwhelming fun that all of this was. I adored it. Well, we shall get to the sting in the tail of this show if, if, yeah, you, yeah, if you catch yeah. my meaning. But there's only one place to start, and that is indeed at the start. We had Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy, and we were quite high on this yesterday, previewing it. We knew it was going to be a lot of fun. Thought maybe there would be, oh, maybe it would be a bit of a comedy match, and people might come out of it talking about, oh, why is Adam Cole doing comedy? But nobody's talking about that. Nobody's talking about that at all, because the Undisputed Era, copyright term, whatever they end up going with, have effectively now reunited in AEW. We've got the debut of Kyle O'Reilly. But just quickly before we get to that, how did you find the match itself? I really enjoyed it. There was one slight... I've got two slight criticisms before uh-huh. I put it over briefly. One, I think they only did this right because they had a big post-match angle and they wanted the match to go long. They inserted a commercial break in the first match, which was like, it's sacrilegious to do that on a Dynamite. Big pet peeve for me, that big pet peeve. Like, Dynamite is told me you can watch a total hot opening banger ad-free. You can get the adverts later. It's a part and parcel of how wrestling makes money, but we won't give you that in the opener. And they did here, but I expect it's because of the combined length of the match and angle. But the reason I criticize it isn't just because it was an advert. I'm used to them. It kind of didn't help the structure and the flow of the match. It was a bit disruptive because generally when you do picture-in-picture stuff, you don't want to really do exciting stuff. Yeah. So you kind of have to slow it back down and feel like, oh, Christ, I was just getting into it. It was building really nicely. And um, what was the other criticism? 
Wow. Yeah, there was about two or three minutes where I thought, you could shave this off. <laughs> I think it went about 17. I think it could have been a bit tighter, a bit more compact, because they were kind of repeating um, certain story beats. Like, I'd, I was ready for the bombs midway through, but when the bombs arrived, everything between the bombs and the really intricate, like, it's a dance almost, like a uh. dare, like intricate counter wrestling between what I described in ups and downs, which you can access now or pretty much now oh, at whatculture.com slash WWE for the written ups and downs. Get more fine literature. That Indeed, can yours. Yep. which I will just effectively orate in this podcast <laughs> because how can you have more than one take? Um, 4D chess master imp, Orange Cassidy versus expert counter technician, Adam Cole. Lots of feints, like feigned kicks, and then lulling people into moves um, with arrogance, hubris, and like decoy laziness. It was all quite fabulous. We've seen this before. They explored the singles potential just about for me, and the bombs at the end were fantastic. Adam Cole was such a class knob, putting his hands (laughs) in his trunks, like willingly... Getting smegma on his hands just to get one over on Orange Cassidy was tremendous. Look at his hair. Do you think he has the best hygiene? I'm just, I just, I just think smeg was not a foregone conclusion for anybody's anybody's belt piece. But this is looking at his sm- greasy hair. I'm, I'm worried. Does he not just wet it on the way out? Do you actually? Because I've seen him do a couple of streams and he's, he's bountiful. He's looking like a herbal essences advert when it's clean and he's at home. I just, I think he just puts too much water on it, so he gets that that raggedy look. Okay, okay. Just his hog. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I don't think if life has taught me one lesson repeatedly, it's you don't, it's you don't bag a babe like Britt Baker if you've got a cheesy bell end. Yes, she's got, she's got options. She has, she has not got to put up with that. She's got CM Punk. She's got Tony <laughs> Schiavone. <laughs> she's got up. You know, she doesn't got to put up with some of this. Anyway, look, searing insight as this is, this is not the talking point. Yes, match. the talking point is the finish. Bobby Fish gets involved, and I will, I will hold my hands up. I thought. Clever bait and switch this. They're going to get Bobby Fish involved. So we all think, oh, here comes Ky- Oh, it's actually Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah. Incredible finish. And they did it. It wasn't supposed to be one of the biggest shocks you've ever seen in your life because he's just there. Yes. But I think so soon after him leaving, with relatively little written, like I know everybody speculated about it, but remember the punk that it was written about for months and Brian yeah. was, uh, Dinosaur was written about months and months and months. This just felt like, right, he's left. Now here he is. Just enjoy it. Yeah, I'm with you. It wasn't a, it wasn't like a road warrior pop to greet him. People were excited. People go mad, chanting "Undisputed" when the scene like settled down and registered, and all the rest of it. But I just think that it served the purpose of the storyline to telegraph mm. um, his arrival because we know that it's going to unsettle the super click as a faction. Yep. Um, so it made sense to do this, um, but it was a really well done debut. I loved the element of. Bobby Fish getting dispatched to the ring as a decoy and made Orange Cassidy look not that idiotic. Um, so I really enjoyed that element because you have to protect your baby faces, even though protect is a bastardized word. Um, possibly one of the reasons why they were more buzzing about the site of the reformed undisputed era rather than the actual site of um, Kyle O'Reilly coming through the crowd is that Kyle O'Reilly's stock in 2021 like really, really went off a cliff. The Cool Kyle stuff was rubbish. Um, <laughs> I like to say. Adam Cole. <laughs> I like that somebody was brave enough to do that haircut. Yeah, nah. Adam Cole, like, outclassed him on the mic in their NXT build. He was meant he to be. Ring, he ran rings he around, ran him, around yeah. him as a, as a TV star. So poor Kyle O'Reilly has really suffered from the WWE stink this year. He's 
genuinely got the capacity to be one of the very best wrestlers in the entire world. He's in the right place to rediscover that form. He's an incredible worker, but I do think that he's not at the best of years, and that was somewhat reflected in the audience. But they went nuts for the Undisputed Era. Was the Bala match this year, or is time, is time so meaningless now? Ooh, it was either very early or very late. Very early this year or very late last year. Around Actually, I think that. it was this year. Probably, People love the balance. Probably though. the last. Th- probably the last thing he did where you really started to believe that maybe there was a future in this. And as you say, it kind yeah. of did drop off a cliff from there. So you think it's more excitement at the three of them being together than it is at Kyle O'Reilly debuting? Yes, but that's no fault of Kyle O'Reilly's because his work level's been tremendous as ever. It's just he's been presented as a dog, and people just loved Adam Cole, which is more on WWE for not turning Cole babyface than. Anything else that Kyle O'Reilly's done, he was just in a bad um, circumstance. In terms of the Conti's undisputed era, it's trademark. They will Almost lock that down. Yes. They will lock that down in petulance, in perpetuity. At this point, it's just oh, what yeah. we'll do. Adam Cole used to call them the Era Boys. The Era Boys. So maybe that is a potential name. I'll I'd love the idea. This is headcanon. Okay. But I love the idea of Adam Cole just looking at AEW and going, "I'm going to go there." In uh, what is it? You thought it was December 2021, but it turned out to be um, August or whatever it was. I'm going to end up there in two years. So is Kyle, because he's got the same date on the contract. And I think Bobby Fish must have before he was released. I love the idea of going, right, okay, let's just craftily put in a nickname for the Undisputed Era every now and then that they won't trademark that we can goddamn use it, when it, we're over there. It'll not be good enough to get over to the point they'll want a T-shirt, so we have some kind of legal bar. Just something that we've said that people have heard. Yes. You think that's what the Error Boys is? I think Adam Cole, he's so nice. He's never that sly. No. I'd love it if he was. What, what happens here? Is this, like, do you think, because obviously the initial story they're going to do is regarding the whole Super Clique thing, and I imagine they'll probably present that as, hey, we can all, we can all get Cole along, exists. guys. Can we co- but ultimately, like, is this, is, is the, are they going to be the faction now in AEW going forward? Or do you think there's going to be more? Because you're, you're drawn to just thinking about them doing this the same way as they did in NXT. They're a dominant faction. Yes. They work together. They run, you know, they play by their own rules, et cetera, et cetera. But obviously, the one thing Cole's got in AEW, which he didn't have in NXT, is like this shared history with other members of the yeah. roster. He's arguably like, you know, He's arguably more associated with the Bucks, depending on where you first picked him up as a pro wrestler, than he is with uh, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. So it's it's kind of it's a difficult one to pitch this because to get a narrative explanation for why he would side with those two guys at the expense of his friendship um, with other people, it's kind of it feels like a difficult one to juggle. It does. I've got an answer for you or a fantasy book and theory. Super faction. Super no. Adam Cole was famously murdered on being the elite. He died. He died. Yes. He was murdered. Um, and he was ostracized from Ring of Honor as part of his exit um, by the Young Bucks, who, of course, kissed him on the cheek, which is why that spot just works so well now. In my head, going forward, Adam Cole has got the Young Bucks on side, vulnerable to an attack, and this orchestration of reforming the Undisputed Era in All Elite Wrestling is payback for the betrayal of 2017. It's one of those wrestling things where you don't really need to side with the books to actually do this, yeah, but yeah. you get some good trios matches, and it's yeah. just it's convenient but great wrestling storytelling, with the idea being that Young Bucks and one of two people are going to have a trios program with the reformed Era Boys, if you like. Now, the question then becomes... Who is that third person? Well, following full gears... I love this company, goddammit. <laughs> 
Follow- I, know I, I know, sorry, I know I said this yesterday, but I genuinely, up until we did the AEW preview, felt like we'd never formally met. Yes. And you were just somebody I'd been around in the office. Look, here you are, heart on fire. Yes, Amazing. I love it. Because what happened at Full Gear is that stemming from two years of just glorious history, uh, the Young Bucks went down to the ramp during the Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega main event, and Matt Jackson kind of looked at Hangman Page and was like, yep, yeah, put Kenny away. I don't mind. I'm not going to interfere. It's This is for you to do. Foreshadowing a face turn. So one or two things could happen. The three members of the Undisputed Era versus the Young Bucks and Hangman Page, with whom they reconcile, leading to Hangman Page versus Adam Cole as your main event singles match at Revolution, possibly. Wonderful. Or Kenny Omega comes back. Well, is there a sort of time frame on this, by the way? Well... Because I've... I've read various things. Me too. I know he's thrashed, but it's a kind of a, it's a composite of being thrashed. Mm. Like, like sporting hernias, he's like, his knee wasn't good, like his neck's not great. The main problem is the shoulders for which he requires quite major corrective surgery. Uh, the recovery time frame on which is about between three and six months. But that like, still seems superhuman to me. If I got yes. told I was about to have major corrective surgery on my soul, on my soldiers, on my shoulders, and my job wasn't simply sitting at a desk tearfully replying to emails all week, I, I think that would still lay me up for the better part of a year. Absolutely, I'd be moaning about it for two. Yeah. Oh, I'd, I'd love to, lads, but you're off oh, my shoulder. So oh. he needs multiple surgeries. And realistically, you don't want him to come back because he's so broken that he could just fall apart again if he rushes it. But how long did it take from his first AEW title loss to his eventual AEW triumph for Hangman Page to complete the first phase of his character arc? Like, two years. They know how to do long-term storytelling. They will wait until Omega's ready, if in fact that's the direction. I'm thinking the Page one is the direction. I think that makes sense to me. Um, does that imply to you that there will perhaps be a title shift? Co- it actually brings us on, if you'd like to move on, a lovely segue, because the next uh, segment was Hangman Page and Brian Danielson talking about the birthday treat they are giving specifically me. So if you're a big AEW fan, looking forward to this match, I can only say you're welcome. Clearly Tony Khan has decided that it's been a long year. I deserve something nice. So on my birthday, January the 5th, they're going to have a rematch for the AEW World Championship, except this time there's going to be nerds at ringside who will decide who wins if they go to another draw. That's exciting. It is. Like, I know they've done... I'm, I'm right in saying they have done the judges' panel before, but they've never gone to them. No, they didn't have to. Uh, they've just been... They've, so there's something that they have established without them always being something that gets used. Yeah, they've established it as something that they could... Um, use at um, Full Gear 2019 with Cody and Jericho I like the touch it's just a nice little additional sporting touch it's something that they are there whoever they are it's probably going to be like Arn Anderson and Dean Malenko and which really makes Hangman Page's remark of an old prick seem a bit yeah. harsh considering yeah. old wrestling people tend to be beloved um, apart from Ric Flair and Jerry Lawler of, of course of course of course um, but yeah I think it's just a w- their presence is going to make you think going to go long so that when you get a near fall it's all the more unexpected dramatic yeah. and shocking etc well it's layers isn't it it's layer it's layering the match yes. it's adding different levels of interest you've already done it let's go to a 60 minute time limit draw we know it's very difficult to separate us adding additional elements of that is just it just makes it all the better so my question is going back to the uh kyle o'reilly point and the adam cole point and the the bucks point the undisputed era point 
do, do you think this implies we might be getting a title change? Because what better way to reconcile the boys than through the tragedy of a championship loss? So one that was so hard fought and caused such division in the group, and now so fleeting, it's gone. It's almost as if it's like this elegant narrative spider web. <laughs> And I adore it. I don't think we're getting the title change. I think that Hangman Page versus Adam Cole is the direction for revolution. I don't know where that leaves MJF and CM Punk. Because I don't know if they're going to go all the way to revolution for their match. But they might do a stipped up sequel. I pitched a dog collar match for that because they're both massive Piper marks. Right. And he's got history <laughs> with that stip. Um, and Larry the Dog's been involved as well. Yes, of course. Of course, of course, of course. So you don't think you're going to get the title change? Nope. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you give me any more on that? I've just given you the, I've just given you the revolution. I've just given you the revolution card. We don't want more than a pay-per-view card yeah. that I've booked. <laughs> no, Hangman Page is going to win. And you're going to get the revolution card that I've just laid out for you? So I just, I, I'm struggling to sort of, sort of an, maybe, may, look, maybe it, maybe I've just been fed pills. Maybe I'm just not used to expecting all this at this point, but it just, it feels like you've got such an interesting story yes. in Cole, Riley, and uh, Fish versus the books and Page that you don't need the additional wrinkle of the belt in there. That just, that feels to me like that then becomes extraneous to the story of the, the impending. True, but you can do a trios match. You can do... Young Bucks versus Red Dragon at Revolution and Hangman Page versus Adam Cole at Revolution. And then you've got the next three-month narrative cycle before Kenny Omega even returns. Yeah. Do you know what? You've sold me on it. In that case. That's actually pretty good. Right. Quite right. exacting, aren't you? Look, I just didn't want to move on to the Wardlow thing because it feels like such an anti-climax. Well, put over how great the actual promo duel was between Danielson and Omega. If you like. Very quickly. Yes, I'd like to do that. And I think the Mega fans would like that very much as well. What was great about it, right, is that... <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why I'm laughing or, like, implying there's any scorn here. I've literally been on Instagram the last two weeks referring to people as Cleary-holics. Cleary-holics! Don't know why. Just thought, just, just thought it'd be funny. I need 
Cleary Hall. Um, <laughs> what was what was what was great about it? Oh, I'm getting a T-shirt. What was great about it? Well, let's sort my deft one out first. What was because he's in charge. Yeah, I can do that. At now. him relentlessly over the Christmas period. Hey, look, look, my whole thing, not to pull back the curtain here too much, but my whole thing with taking over the merch side of it was, and I'm not naming names, I'm really tired of seeing people trying to force bad gimmick t-shirts on people who weren't interested and trying to make it like, oh, look, you like this, and then me looking at the sales figures and going, no, they don't. Stop doing this. You make the rest of us look like tits. So look, if there's demand, you have any t-shirt you want if there's demand, yeah. we've got to prove there's demand first. If I get a load of people bothering me, at home in my private time, telling me they want a deaf t shirt. It's, you know, too, it's you too know what late. you'll get? You know what you'll get? You'll get a deaf t shirt. It's that you. simple. Awesome. The best thing about this I'll promo exchange. I'll get you exchange, a mug with it on just to get the ball rolling. Thank you. The best thing about this promo exchange is that Danielson is awesome and he's always going to get a reaction. And you kind of don't want that because Hangman Page is meant to be the all conquering. It's yep. meant to be like the peak of his run. So they kind of, I think, preempted this. And. Danielson was like, well, this is an ideal, so what I'm going to do is going to be a complete prick. He claimed that oh, the only reason why I lost is because you stalled, yep. right, in pointing to Hangman Page, when in fact Brian Danielson was doing jumping jacks for the first 20 minutes, and it was hilarious. Mm. And what makes that line even funnier and that uh, jumping jack deal even funnier is that he claims that he also tweaked his leg in a match with John Silver before the match with Page, but if he tweaked his leg, how could he do loads of jumping jacks? It was just absolutely tremendous stuff. And um, Hangman Page has got this really like soft-spoken quality to his voice that not only adds to his endearing charm, but it like, when he eventually erupts and starts to do a booming threat, it's like it's really informed by how unexpected it is. And it's Hangman Page at the very end who does the whole, will I beat him in under an hour? I think the answer is. And then he just summons the yes, yes, yes chance. And he's got an arena full of people going mad for his babyface fire who previously were a little bit split. We look warm, we look warm on him, yeah. Uh, Page to me always struck me as the kind of person who like his in-ring work may for a long time go underappreciated because of the quite lukewarm reactions he got when he was trying to get people going. Obviously, the story they crafted about the whole thing with Dark Order and him splitting from the Elite and all this, that was masterfully done. And his his understated performance of it, effectively sort of no-selling his emotional investment, yes. was brilliant. But so I think sometimes... Maybe this is just me, but I always think sometimes you need you need a wrestler to be able to boil over rather than simmer. Yeah, and I've always worried that his ability to get that kind of when he needs a big reaction through him manifesting it alone, not because they've put time and effort into yeah. a story and they care about it and they know the stakes, but being able to get it out and get take a cold crowd effectively and get them to do something like that is Clearly. very heartening. Are you saying uh, thick wrestling fans need a bit of exposition? Actually, I'm saying quite the opposite. Oh, I'm right. saying I'm saying wrestling fans need to understand that there is a spectrum of wrestling knowledge going into things. And while you do have people who are really invested, they'll pay attention to the minutia of that storyline, and they will know why certain moments are important. You cannot rely on them to do your heavy lifting all yes. the time. No, I think Sometimes you may just have a cold crowd. Maybe they're just... You've just you've been unfortunate, and the people in that room just aren't as receptive to you as the rest of the country are. And his ability to then get something yeah. like that out of them—that's one of the first times I can remember seeing that, which fills me with all kinds of warmth and confidence. I really hope he sets a blueprint for pro wrestling narrative in the next century. Like, I truly hope that the business is better for his really ambitious and quite sensitive mental health arc. I truly hope this. I think it's one of the best things I've. Once I had it, f well, this is the thing. I, I wasn't keeping up on the week-to-week -week product in detail. Once I had that explained to me. 
right, and showing all the sort of the, the bits where they went through and they telegraphed on I just, I could not, could not believe. It deserved to get more pop culture penetration than yes. it did. It deserved to have more people talk. It got, don't get me wrong, it got, it got a lot a of Vice atten- article. It got a Vice article, yeah. but I mean, it deserved like real. Yeah, yeah, Remember yeah, when yeah. Edge did that uh, empty arena promo and everyone was like, wow, so in the empty arena, so in COVID, wrestling is now high performance art all of a sudden. It's like, no, it isn't. That went everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It deserved that kind of attention. No, no, absolutely. Anyway, speaking did. of the blueprint for wrestling for the next four or five years, uh, Wardlow beats some guy by powerbombing him four times and then Sean Spears hit him with a chair. Is that yes. What's happening is that they are doing the same thing with Wardlow every week with the express purpose of, you want to see it, Wardlow's enjoying doing it and enjoying you doing it. It's all this incredible slow burn babyface storytelling. And I tell you what, like Wardlow, who purposefully plays by screaming into the hard camera on national television, primetime, but still national television, who's the man at the top of his lungs (laughs) in his particular like power-based offense and his like really like sort of metal facial expressions. He's got like awesome, as Andy Murray would have it, meathead energy. Yeah. He's also like an incredibly subtle professional wrestling actor. He's a remarkable talent. The very first pop he gets on the power bomb, he doesn't like very theatrically go, Hey, have some of that. Uh, aren't I great? Isn't it great being great? Actually, I might turn baby face. This sounds like a bit of a laugh. He just kind of looks, knowing the camera's on him. And he trusts the camera to be on him. He just uh, It's an audio podcast, so you can't see this, but it just goes... <laughs> the, the eyebrow just goes up a tiny little bit as if to go, yeah, it's class being class, isn't it? Why are they cheering for? I don't want them to cheer. Idiots. No, he wants them to cheer. That's the thing. He wants them to cheer. He loves the idea of being not MGF's lackey. He likes the idea of having agency. He likes the idea of impressing the crowd. He likes the idea of realizing ambitions beyond just getting paid from a snobby little rich kid who's really starting to piss him off. Um, Sean Spears is great value because he's always saying, well, no, he's had enough, he's had enough, he's had enough. What he's actually saying is, don't get too over, don't get too over, don't get too over. <laughs> if you do too many power bombs, you'll get too over. MGF pays us all to keep him at the top of the pecking order, so don't get too over. Yeah. But him saying, oh, he's had enough, and then braiding him with the chair... <laughs> It's just him being a heel idiot who exposes the entire bit. Uh, I want to leave us enough time to talk about the main event. Yes. I don't want it to be overshadowed. We did spend quite a lot of time on the possibilities of Kyle O'Reilly and whatnot. So just going to quickly go to Britt Baker's Christmas party. No turkey on the head, as you said on the previous day. Nobody walking into a wall. As I think, as you correctly predicted, she just hyped up a match with Rhea at Battle of the Belts. Did it work for you as a segment, or it was a bit of a waste of everyone's time? It was a waste of everyone's time. I've, and the only reason why they must have advertised this... And it was cheeky to advertise it because now it happened. They never... It's, Britt Baker's a massive draw and a massive star. Yeah. Like, mon- modern standards, let's use the curve, the relative aspect of it. They just thought, oh, if we pretend that Britt Baker's on the show for longer than she is, people will tune in for her. Yeah. So it's a bit cheeky, but at the same time, it's nice that they're being cheeky with, like, a woman for a change. Yeah, it's nice. It's And also, to be fair... You can't just do that with everybody. You do have to earn that kind of ability to effectively clickbait yourself. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, if they know she's going to get people in, that's, yeah, all right. I can imagine if you thought you were going to see, as, you know, we expertly try to boost her putting the turkey on the head and walking into the wall, a food fight angle. Yeah, all right, you might be a bit disappointed. But, you know, fair play to Britt Baker for for being able to be as prominent a part of the announcement of this show, despite doing something as insubstantial as what she ended up 
ends up doing. Uh, again, I'm just going to try and fly through this because I really do want to talk about CM Punk's face paint more than anything else. We've got the TBS Championship semi-final, Ruby Soho and Nyla Rose. So it's, it's all right. I think we're, we're sort of... I think of the four women that are in the semi-finals, I think this was the... Ruby Rose was probably the one we thought... Sorry, who the hell's Ruby Rose? Where am I getting that from? Ruby Soho was probably the one we thought was kind of a rubber stamp for the final. The match was all right. The match was fine. What pisses me off about this, and I'll try and be succinct, right, is that this at this point, it feels kind of like a fable. The AW Women's Division feels like a fable. What a I mean fable. by that, with like a lesson behind it. Right. With what I mean by that is, for a while... Oh, it this was, is... Sorry, this is just going to be such a good point. I can see it in your eyes. Thank you. For a while, it was very uneven. Yeah. And people argued in good faith and bad faith, whether it was good or bad, whether it was justified in being not as good as it should be or whatever. So for too long... AEW kind of luxuriated in, oh, we can just get away with doing one of these and just get the, like, the drawn lads who are like, get the, the Melter stars on the show more often. And now, when they finally really booked a competent division with depth, mm-hmm. with intricate overlapping storylines, with storylines outside of the title picture with uh, Jamie Hayter and Dr. Britt Baker, um, Serena Deeb and Sheeta, and, you know, the TBS title tournament, it all feels like an actual division, mm-hmm. an organic ecosystem that interacts yeah. with itself, and the fans don't give a toss about it now <laughs> because they've been conditioned <laughs> over the course of two years to not care about it. Yeah. And now when they should, they still don't, and that's legitimately on AEW. What's happened is that the, the TV tapings are way longer than it was in the early Dynamite when they were hot for everything, they pick and choose what they're hot for now because they've got five hours to sit through on a Wednesday night, two hours of Rampage, uh, two hours of Dynamite, one hour of Rampage, an hour plus of um, Dark Elevation. And they realize, hang on, I'm going to be knackered for Punk here. Oh, I'll just set up my hands for... Other oh, women I've been conditioned not to care about. And it's such a shame because I thought this match was really intelligently put together. Like, Ruby Soho worked a much larger opponent with loads of craft, loads of intelligence, loads of really immersive strategy. She was like doing loads of like slippery acrobatic transitions just to wrench in a hold because if she had tried it in a standing position, she just would have been punched in the face or power slammed. Very crafty, very intelligent babyface performance. Our selling was really great when Nyla Rose realized I don't have to target this bitch's arm. <laughs> and then the finish was like, it was dependent on Nyla Rose's error and her intelligence to counter said error. It was really intelligently put together as a match, but not enough people cared about it because AEW's women's division is now a fable. Hey, you know what? I was right. That was a really interesting point. Well, uh, this is the thing. The final coming up is surely, no matter who it is, whether it's Thunder Rose or Jay Cargill, no matter who it is, is surely an unignorable match of both quality and spectacle and importance, surely? Well, I'd hope so. I think if it's... It'd be the tournament final. It'll be a combination you've never seen before. And whoever she gets in the final, I'm leaning leaning towards Cargill because I just think it's more of an interesting thing, but I I also do think it's... I think Hart says Cargill, Head says Thunder Rosa for that. Um, Either way, that's an incredible, incredible match they're going to get. Thunder Rosa is the one AEW talent other than Britt Baker who can routinely get, she's a massive star and we love her reactions. Mm. And um, she did to a lesser extent, but they were quite low on Sheeta last week. So I think for the sake of getting a match that's going to hit the quality ceiling and actually get over, I think it's going to be Rosa. Thinks it's going to be Rosa. I think the division needs that match at this point. 
I am inclined to agree with that. I think I need that match at this point. I think I do quite quite want to see that. Obviously, there was there's a, there's a side uh, story to this match, and some idiot in the crowd was saying, "I'm not I'm not going to give the airtime no. to." You'd have seen about it already. Everything that needs to be said about that's already been said, and I'm, I presume he was ejected. Yes, he was. Well, and rightfully he, so. Here's hoping he never ends up back in another one as yeah. long as he lives. Uh, before he dies cold and alone. Anyway, Malachi Black versus Gift Garrison. Can we talk? Sorry about the Owen Hart tribute video. I just want to put it yes, over. Yes, after. I can't remember when it was specifically in the show, but I do think we've moved past it. Um, it was just a wonderful thing. They did a nice, really affecting, moving um, video package that uh, profiled both the performer um, through the lens of his work with New Japan Pro Wrestling and the man with like really like heartbreaking footage of how much he just adored his family. Um, I thought the it's weird if you put something like this over. You're kind of putting over their strategy. And if you talk about them doing this strategically, it feels all a bit cynical because... Do you know what I mean by this? What I'm yeah, arriving at? it seems at? a bit saccharine and a bit like they know the sort of emotions they're trying to get to with it. Yeah, there's, there's a cynical, deliberate element of it. Even when even when the heart of it is in the right place, yes. the production values are, can be a bit... Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, so I think it can be... Well, let's just call it well thought out because I think it was. Like, Mark Henry was the guy who... Um, like many people in the Fed, especially in that era, when they came through, JBL was like, oh, I'm going to be a knob. Undertaker was like, I'm going to be a knob. All the horrible old heads were going to be knobs. Uh, Shawn Michaels was around when Henry was there, and he was an absolute toxic backstage presence. Owen Hart was like, he was like a really nice chap. I was going to help navigate these uh, deep waters, and... They become really close friends. So it was really touching for Mark Henry to talk on this tribute. Um, Adam Cole, obviously, is a heel. Like, he um, spoke spoke nicely and lovingly about how much of an impact Owen Hart had on his career. And look, if they're going to the lengths to potentially betray the integrity of a quote-unquote fictional character to really put over how much Owen Hart means to so many people, then I guess that can't be considered a bad or cynical thing. If it was cynical, it would have just got all the baby faces be nice. To stand on the ramp and clap while, it, yeah. Yeah, 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 we're all on the. Th- well, I mean, we talked about the the Owen extensively yesterday. So if you want, if you want to get any more uh, thoughts on that, we thought they didn't announce anything. We thought there were going to be some. No, it's just a nice package. Yeah. They did say that the um, both finals are going to take place at double or nothing. You know what that means? God, that means that time is absolutely meaningless, and we're already background in another loop around the sun. And we might be there. And. If Dr. Break is Dr. Britt Baker's not in it, there'll be two women's matches on a main card paper. Hey, oh my God, you're right. Oh, wow. But if it's anything like the G1, the champs will be in it. So maybe they can get away with it. Maybe they can get away with it. Well, I still, th- I still think the solution to doing the Owen is to have the, the winner of the men's face, the winner of the women's. I still think... Yes. I was thinking about that last night, and I just thought it would be the absolute tit. Anyway, Malachi Black versus uh, Griff Garrison. My question, the simple angle I want to go down with this, we know where this is leading. He's going to introduce his little pal, and we're going to have the varsity. He's big lad, Viper. Was he... Ah, oh, yeah, but I just like calling everyone little pal. Don't have Penta, right? Anyway, um, was this the right level of dominance? Yes, it was. They didn't... So they, they, did they get this? Because I've seen some discussion about whether or not it, it undermined what they eventually want to do. Not at all. Right. I think it was held by the fact that on an individual level, Malachi Black's stuff looked absolutely incredible. I was enchanted by him all over again after a kind of a gloopy period of his AEW run over the past month or so. I would say gloopy is probably the word I would use to describe the last four years of his life. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Like, Griff Garrison's from 
Carolinas. Yeah. So they give him a little bit of a fire, a little bit of agency. Like his mate was brutally blindsided. So he got a few licks in, but got never he got a few in. licks in, but it wasn't like a 50-50 competitive match that you couldn't take seriously because of the gulf in like quality between the guys. He got a few licks in, got a little bit of respect, but then he got his thighs absolutely pulverized with those kicks. Like it was genuinely like, you know, when you watch a great pro wrestling move or spot or match or whatever, and you're like, oh, you feel it. You can feel, feel it. it yeah. Like his thighs were just pulverized like meat. He did an air, that awesome jump and knee strike, that standing jump and knee strike. I just thought, how's his nose not being broken there? The connection was so <laughs> sweet. He got a single leg Boston Crab over, like a very basic hold over as a submission move that looked like his tendons were coming apart. I thought Malachi Black was individually awesome in this match. It's nice to hear that because I think of all the AEW debuts, the, the alleged big names who can do amazing things if they just get out of WWE. Black's probably, given how well Rusev kind of turned it around after an initial movie yeah. start, Black's probably the last one who certainly hasn't underdelivered by any stretch of the imagination. He's had some really good matches, but the heights I think people you wanted him to get to. You would have thought he'd be more than this. You would have thought those were the kind of matches he'd have been having week in, week out. Yeah. So it's nice to hear that like that's finally starting to click with him. I believe it is. I was so high on his debut, and then I got a little bit lost with all the 50-50 mm. enemy of my enemy is my friend stuff they did about a month ago. But no, I was high as hell on this. Excited for the, the inevitable group tag match they're going to get out of this? Yes. I'll take Malachi Black versus Shane McMahon at this point. That's how much, <laughs> I, that's how much I loved this individual performance. Right, we've done it. Yes. We've earned it. We're there now. You now have the floor to, and not the match. I've got, I need the stuff I need to get in about the match. Yes. But you now have the floor to talk about CM Punk's face paint. <laughs> I mean, class. <laughs> People might accuse me of being a hypocrite, but I've got a prevent, I've got a preemptive response to this. Oh. One of my least favorite things of all time, right? Is a preemptive response. One of my least favorite developments in WWE is when they do like the big retrospective documentaries of Steve Austin and he has two hours on uh, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. And they get the current stars as like talking heads and going, oh, I love that growing up. And it's like Austin would never do this about the Iron Sheik or about Pedro Morales or anything like that because they were just simply stars in their own era. Right. And they are now fans. And I used to hate that. I also hate those WWE.com photo shoots where I'd say it's Shinsuke Nakamura's The Undertaker. Oh, and yeah. It's like, yeah, I think yeah. he's a fucking dork now. Yeah. Because he's getting made to dress up like a real star, which he isn't by proxy of the fact that he's dressing up as him. I, I, there was a, I can't remember which one it was a while ago. And they did one with the belts, which I thought was quite nice. And then yes. obviously that did quite well. Clearly that, that generated a lot of web page impressions yes. for them. So they did it again with effectively costumes. So they cosplayed them as these, as these wrestlers. But the problem with it was, so few of them were people who were like so retired they were never coming back. Yeah. In effect, half of what this photo shoot was was them dressing up as colleagues they have been unsuccessfully able to get as over as. Yeah. And it just made a mockery of the whole thing. Yeah, I, I cannot stand it. So maybe you'd think, well, you can't like CM Punk dressing up like Sting then. Different. It's different. I wonder why. Because one. I used to hate the long boys. I don't think they fit his frame. I think CM Punk genuinely looks old and weird when he wears the long boys. There's no, there's no other way to say it. Old and weird. When he put the trunks on after the long boys, I was like, oh, fuck that. He suits the long boys without much decoration, just that one minimal Sting logo. Oh, my God, it looked great. The real reason why this is awesome. And before we run down the match, we uh, give our thoughts and then 
go home for Christmas or whatever. Well, you, you go home for Christmas. Sting dressed up like CM Punk too. Yeah, that was that was. I missed that. I saw the first thing I saw when I got up this morning. Uh, obviously, obviously, the two Playboy bunnies and High Street honeys left and right at me was this picture of CM Punk with the Sting face. Yes, on. it wasn't until I got in did I then see the added contextualization, the rim shot to the already enormous pop of Sting with two fists painted over his face. Unreal. You know what they did here? In the most wholesome and aesthetically cool way possible, they perfected, created the anti-can-they-coexist energy. Because not only they can... They did! Can they not only coexist, they can, and it's cool. The synergy between the two of them yes. to adopt each other's... And to be fair, and I will get onto the match now, um, you would have thought that the three of these had been wrestling together as a unit for their entire yeah, careers. Yeah. That it was so just... Like, well-rehearsed isn't the word because there was so many elements of improvisation well, and the way masters. they were the crowd. They're they masters of the crowd. All three of them, despite being the, such different stages of their pro wrestling careers, like Darby Allen, still relatively new to the thing. Yeah. CM Punk, you know, around for years and years and years, went away for ages, so kind of fresh in his own right. Sting, obviously massively experienced, but without the physical capacity to do what he probably wants to do yeah. in a ring. And you never thought that for a second. Whenever... WWE's last 20 years are suboptimal because, one, I had to watch them all. Suboptimal. <laughs> one, I had to watch them all. Two, they were so chronically awful uh-huh. as the market leader that, to this day, I myself still get worried that AEW's going to turn into it or AEW's going to do something like WWE. The benefit of WWE being so terrible, so dull, <laughs> so polished, so synthetic for 20 corporate horrible years is that watching the guys in AEW who are masters at improv, who can have fun putting things together, who understand storytelling, who want to understand specifically pro wrestling storytelling and having fun with it and riffing on it is that it never loses its sense of wonder That's it, because you've been pummeled by the synthetic quality of WWE for so long that when you watch artists create live interactive performance art, it, I still get a massive erection. <laughs> this, weirdly, it's not an AEW thing, but this was something that really got to me about when we did the live shows because I, my, like, my interest in professional wrestling was largely was largely professional. You mean it was something I did for work? I was quite. It was it was an industry I was interested in. I could certainly enjoy. I would um, I would watch it in my spare time as and when I needed to for work. Occasionally, I would occasionally I would do it for. Purely for leisure purposes. Yes. But I would not have ranked it particularly high in the list of things I loved to do. Had I left this job, I don't know how much I would have then engaged with it. And then when we started doing the live shows, I absolutely fell in love with it. And it was so frustrating because I would come off these tours with this huge, like, throbbing heart yeah. for what pro wrestling could do to you. And I would try and transition that into the easiest mode of consuming pro wrestling, which was watching more WWE and constantly feel hollow. And I couldn't for the life of me, because I didn't understand enough about the craft, get why like, I couldn't make that connection. Because I love going to the match, yeah. and I love watching the football at home on telly. Yes. I love the social side of it. I love I love getting a couple of drinks with my mates. I love getting involved with it. I love the chanting. I love the singing. But if I've just got to sit at home and watch it on the telly... You like the tactical side? and I love it I love it in, in similar and different ways. Yes. And yet, I would have that with wrestling. I'd be like, is it because I'm not around people? Is it because I, 
it's because I don't know these wrestlers as well as I know the guys we work with. Is I couldn't work out for the life of me what it was until somebody might have been you just yeah. went. It's because it's crap. Yeah, it's it's because it's it's because it's a different thing altogether. Yeah. What they're doing at these live shows, the way they work the crowd, the way they they assemble their matches, the way they develop their characters, is not what you're watching on WWE yeah. television. Like, and it's I completely I completely understand that now as yeah. a thing, and to see it now be accessible on in on AEW in this in a similar way that WWE is, um, I think over time is gonna. It's gonna change a lot of people's feelings about the industry. Yeah, I think we look at the numbers now. I th- I think AEW's numbers are, are, are they worry me to an extent because of how bad WWE is and how it should get three or four times the viewership of that. It worries me that it doesn't. But I do genuinely think if AEW's around long enough, you probably will get back to a boom period of professional wrestling where six or seven million people watch weekly shows. That's happening every week. Want. Hey, look, hey, hey. It's my Christmas wish. Okay. It's my Christmas wish. Um, We should talk about the match a bit more. Uh, You've got it. It's good. It's going to be all... Obviously, you were... You stressed the need for them to not let Punk and MGF interact too much, and they didn't. They've kept that. Yes. They've kept that as good as they can. But I I do think somehow, even how well regarded they are, do you think there is a chance that FTR will go unsung in this match? Oh, they were incredible. And they were unbelievable. They're absolutely incredible. Like they, they were coming with unbelievable tickets. Unbelievable. Like the stamina. They are at the heart of a twenty-five minute match. Where let's face it, the magic is in the way the tricks performed yep. as much as how it's seen. They like work with Sting. They are going like Punk. Like CM Punk's massively up for this. They're working like tandem sequences with everyone in the match. MGF, they're essentially doing a handicap match because yeah. MGF's doing nothing. The one bump that he does, this is quite fitting to the story, the camera completely misses. FBR <laughs> were astonishing in this match. Um, I put it over in my article, which again, you can access, uh, you can oh, read right now. Indeed. We need, this was, we, need, we need to change that web address, mind. I'm done with it now. Just wrestling. Yes. I don't, care, I don't care if it takes people longer to type out or it's easily misspellable or hurts our SEO. We're done, we're done with this. Well, we get a lot of nerds going, ah. We're like, what could you read? Yes, <laughs> yes. Need, need less of that in my life. Um, there was a bump that Darby Allen took, right? And this just kind of encapsulates just the giddy over-delivery of thrills and the <laughs> chaos where he gets thrown off the top rope. Oh, if we ever have a tag team, can we call it over-delivery of thrills? Over-delivery of thrills. ODT. (laughs) (laughs) So he's getting taken over the top rope. His head bounces against one of the ropes, and that sends him headfirst into the apron. It's like, two bumps at once? (laughs) Christmas! And that's what this match was. It was just so lovingly crafted. One of my my favorite spots on it was one where MGF and CM Punk are about to touch. Right. And MGF just goes, right, I'm not having this. I'm just going to run out of the arena like a little coward heel that he is. CM Punk, who MGF said when commentating upon his match three weeks ago, I was a bit out of puff him, sweating, bit grey, old <laughs> man, shouldn't have came back. He's like struggling to put away people I would do with, with my sleep. CM Punk, not only is it a good visual gag, but Benny Hill, yeah. right? Not only is it just a fun house show spot that everyone would go mad for on telly at Christmas, it also proves that CM Punk does in fact have the cardio to one day defeat MGF. They are hiding a pretty good sports-oriented story beat in a funhouse show spot. On the subject of level of thought that gets put into all of this, Sting is 62, right? He can work like he's 45, but at the end of the day, his body is 62. 
So you'll do this incredible sing stuff. He will uh, do this thing of splashes. He will like run the ropes like he's got no right to do. Eventually, Father Time will tell him, you're 62 years old. I can't remember which one of them it was, but he caught somebody doing a flying splash in the corner with a, a way a 62-year-old's arms and back yeah. should not be able to do that. But he can only do that for a time. He's so great that he knows he can only do this for a time. and He's now got a signature spot that sells, right, I'm going to be knackered by the end of this. How do I get away with being knackered? Right, I'll do a comedy spot where I'll sell my very real exhaustion, give myself a break, I'll do some kind of move where the heel's on the floor, and I will just faint a collapse headfirst, and it was bollocks. It's, it's so clever because the idea of Sting being like 1997 Sting even though we can kind of do it in the ring to a point, it's still too much to insult your intelligence. Yeah. So they've layered Sting with, oh, but he's also kind of a funny old man. And it's, <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. Wrestling's the best. And this match made me think wrestling is the best. So overall, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick my neck out here. Overall, a show you've enjoyed. <sighs> I love this comedy. Two hours of perfect pro wrestling television. And Hook wasn't even on it. Yeah. Well, look, this is, this is another thing you have to credit them with. They're not going to overexpose them now, yeah. Because as as you say, the 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 magic is in how is in how you hide it as much as how you perform it. Yeah. And the guy is as green around the gills as Kermit the Frog's cock. Cock, yeah, that little bit of webbing you get between your hands because he's got normal hands. He hasn't got frog hands. Yeah, so that little bit of webbing you get between your fingers. Yeah. Um, so you probably not see him all that much, but you don't need to if they're going to put this these kind of. Uh, Main event. So, uh, just overall, any any final closing thoughts on the show before I wrap us up for lunch? They brought me great tidings of comfort and joy at Holiday Bash. That's really nice, isn't yeah, it? I ripped it from the summary of my article. So you plagiarizing yourself there is what you're saying. How can it be plagiarism then? Well, very. Hey, hey, and on that note, thank you very much for joining us for the AEW Dynamite review, both because it's a review of Dynamite and the review itself, in my opinion, was explosive. Now, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, don't forget to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. That's really none of my business for daily wrestling podcasts. We review everything Raw, SmackDown, AEW, NXT 2.0, as well as interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with the political quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. But until next time, this has been Michael Sidgwick, where you can get on Twitter at M Sidgwick. I've been at Adam Cleary, C L E R Y, the entire What Culture Wrestling family at your disposal, night and day, beck and call at What Culture WWE. But until next time, we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 